Welcome to the Shock Your Potential podcast with your host, Michael Sherlock. We all have potential, but sometimes we need inspiration to get us to our peak performance. Whether you are starting out in your career, ready to move up the corporate ladder, or taking the leap into entrepreneurship, Michael's guests provide powerful tools and resources to shock your potential. Shock Your Potential is a global professional development training company committed to your unique journey. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com and download our free Shock Your Potential app today. Listen in to today's expert. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Shock Your Potential. I am your host, Michael Sherlock, and all month long for the month of May, we are being very mindful, not only of ourselves, but you know, really to uh, take stock of what we've learned in the last year and maybe make sure that we are taking better care of ourselves as we move forward. And my guest today is uh, going to talk about this from you know her perspective, which I think is going to really challenge us on a number of levels to really transform our thinking. So Ora Nadrich is a pioneering, pioneering mindfulness expert. She's an international keynote speaker and coach, and she's the founder and president of the Institute for Transformational Thinking. That's why I thought about the transformation part. Oprah Winfrey's confidant and New York Times bestselling author, Marianne Williamson has said, when she speaks, I listen. And when she writes, I read it. And when she gives advice, I heed it. Or as a sought-out expert in the fields of mindfulness, transformational thinking, and self-discovery, which is really what this series is all about, knowing more about ourselves and then taking creative and positive action with it. And she's created and popularized her highly effective says who method, which allows her clients to ask simple questions that result in profound personal and professional transformation. And isn't that a great question? Like says who? Sometimes we follow things we probably don't have to if we really asked ourselves the question behind. She's also the author of Says Who? How One Simple Question Can Change the Way You Think Forever. And another book called Live True, A Mindfulness Guide to Authenticity. She was named one of the 100 best mindfulness books of all times for that book by Book Authority. And she's also been featured in Fast Company, NBC News, Women's Health Magazine, Reader's Digest, which is one I've always wanted to be in, Yahoo Health, and Success Magazine. And she's a frequent Huffington Post contributor and one of their global leading experts on mindfulness. So Aura, thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, Michael. Thank you so much for having me. It is a pleasure. I can't wait to dive down into more about what you do. Mindfulness is a really important factor for my life. Um, and I got, I guess, really laser-like focused on it about seven years ago, a little bit you know, aware of it, a little bit beyond that, but it has definitely made a difference in my life. I know that people are much more open to the concept of mindfulness, meditation, uh, transformational thinking, hypnosis, different things that they wouldn't have been maybe 10, 15 years ago, which I think is really bodes well for us. But so I can't wait to pick your brain on so many things. But first, you know, I hit the highlights of your bio. Tell us a little bit more about you and your business and how you help people to shock their potential. Well, as you said, you know, I am a mindfulness practitioner. My books are really about mindfulness. Do you know, uh, Says Who, my first book, really is also about mindfulness. And I created a cognitive questioning method. I love the way you said Says Who. It had a little <laughs> bit of that sassiness in it that I, I hope people are asking themselves, uh, which is to question the negative and fear-based thoughts that we might be quick to accept and believe are true. So. Mm -hmm. 
that took me more into a deep dive because my work really is essentially about present moment awareness. That means being aware of our thoughts. What are our thoughts telling us? What purpose do our thoughts you know, offer us basically? And to go into the area of mindfulness and the authentic self, which is what mindfulness um, is about with Live True, a mindfulness guide to authenticity. And my institute, the IFTT, the Institute for Transformational Thinking. So I think when you put all of those together, you really get a sense of what I'm about, what my work is about. It's about really being in present moment awareness with our thoughts, our actions, our deeds, and to really be showing up in the moments of our lives as who we really are. So all of my work really comes out of the Institute. And, you know, I say, you know, changing your life one thought at a time, which can ultimately reverberate out into the world. And if we all did that, imagine the changes we could create in the world. It is so true. I was interviewing someone several months ago and it's terrible that I can't remember who it was because I need to go back and figure out what guest it was. But she made a statement that said, you know, if we actually listen to the thoughts, I was going back to when you said, you know, questioning the negative and fear-based thoughts in our head. If you could really go in and listen to some of the things that we say to ourselves. And she said, if you really listened to it and you played it back, you would be so shocked because you would never say those things to another human being, but we say them to ourselves in our head. It is so true. And that's exactly what I say. If someone came up to you or I today and said to us the things that our inner critic may say to us, which really can range from, you know, caustic, unkind, <laughs> insensitive, and downright abusive. Yes. Okay. If somebody walked up to us and literally said, you're this, 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 and this. First of all, we'd be shocked and horrified. And I yes. would like to think we would quickly defend ourselves. And yeah. yet, what I say and says who we are so quick to accept our negative and fear-based thoughts readily. Like we just should accept them. Oh, well, yeah. since I'm telling myself that, I guess it's true. You know, hence says who, yeah. you know, challenge those thoughts, question those thoughts. This has really blown a lot of people's minds with my work because they'll say to me, Aura, I never thought to question my thoughts. Mm. That's not even something I thought I should do which really speaks volumes and how quick we are to accept the inner dialogue that we tell ourselves. Mm -hmm. And it's, and it gets in our way, you know, so I always, my company name is shock your potential. The podcast is called shock your potential. And I always talk about it as almost like, and, and I'll, I laugh when I say it, it's almost like, you know, when you touch an electrified vents, not, a, not an intense one, just one of those that has the little low level, you know, uh, voltage in it and you touch it, and it makes you jump back. Um, and it tells you something. It doesn't harm you, but it makes you a really hyper aware of where you are and what you just about walked over and what, you know, what you were testing. And so that little jolt, you know, rate increases your, your attention span. And so my, my belief is so many of it, we all have a potential within us and we talk about it all the time about you have such great potential, but why don't people really move forward to achieve their full potential, whether it's personally, professionally, with their dream, their whatever it is. And my thought is that until you have that little jolt, that's something that raises your awareness to the point where you say, oh, I need to pay attention to this because if I don't, I'm not going to achieve my potential. And I think that's where a lot of our headspace gets caught up. And when we have that self-talk, that negative talk or that self-doubt, 
it, it, until we are aware of it, it just constantly keeps us in that state of just under our potential, or maybe not even close to our potential. Absolutely. And I think that's why, you know, even the word shock, like what do we need to really wake ourselves up? What do we really need in order for us to, you know, be aware of things like our negative inner inner talk, which really undermines and sabotages our lives and definitely doesn't help us reach our goals. The beauty of mindfulness, which is the practice of being present and aware in the moment of which you are in. That means I have an awareness of what thoughts I'm thinking. Do I like them? As to quote some of the says who questions, does this thought work for me? Do I like this thought? You know, how does this thought make me feel better? You know, we house, I say, this is the most valuable real estate is our minds. And we're willing to, you know, house thoughts, let thoughts occupy our mind that serve no useful purpose whatsoever for our well-being. So you get mindfulness, which is being cognizant of the thoughts that you have, a practice that really doesn't require very much of us other than to be present. Okay, I'm in the moment. What am I aware of in this moment? I'm aware of this thought that just popped up in my head and told me I'm unworthy. You know, mm -hmm. well, I have a choice here to accept it or to challenge it. And what I say in, in Live True and Says Who, I have a, a technique called the release and replace technique. How about replacing that negative thought with its positive counterpart? You know, there, there are skill sets and tools and methods that we can use that are relatively easy. You know, I say my books are user-friendly. I, I like to say I don't dumb down so that people can use them, but I don't know how much easier it can get for people to say, hey, I'm ready to like not be commandeered by these negative thoughts that I'm actually allowing to dominate my mind. Do you know, mm -hmm. so don't wait to get shocked or don't wait to get hurt or devastated or broadsided. Catch yourself early enough to say, I'm empowered and I have the ability to decide to literally pick and choose the thoughts that are working for me favorably. I love that. And that there is so much power in that, that I can pick and choose it kind of from a selfish personal perspective. I was, as you were talking, I was thinking about a couple of years ago, I had a very stressful situation. All of us have stretch, stressful situations. And during that stressful situation, I was, it was very hard to get out of my own head about what that said about me or, you know, what, what it made me think about myself or how my stress and anxiety, um, reacted to it. And yesterday I had to deal with an issue that we thought was resolved with this issue. And it's really actually a completely very minor issue. It will not, it will not harm me. It will not put me back into any, you know, horrible situation. But my first response of even having to deal with one little piece that was unresolved, that will probably be resolved in one phone call and one email. Immediately, I had this sense of panic, you know, like, oh my gosh, I can't go back there. And then I sat for a few minutes and went, okay, Sherlock, which when I call myself Sherlock, you know, that I'm, you know, giving myself a talking to. And I'm like, okay, Sherlock, take a few deep breaths and just, just separate yourself from this again. It, this is not a part of you. This is not going to have long-term repercussions. This is not an, a stressful overall situation. And I did well through the day until I went to bed last night. And then as I was laying down, you know, and your brain is starting to, to calm down, it tried to pull itself back up. And I said, 
nope, I'm going to sleep well tonight. I refuse to let this cause me any grief anymore for my sleep. And somehow I did it. And I woke up this morning really proud of myself because I don't think I've ever before going to bed made a conscious decision like that because otherwise I would have, even if I would have pushed it down, it would have surfaced throughout the night if I woke up or rolled over. And I, and I really didn't think about it until just, we were talking now and then I went, Oh yeah, I forgot to write the email and make the phone call. <laughs> you know, good, good for you. You know, that's such a great story to really let us know what happens when a thought takes us over. And when you were expressing that, it really made me think of the chapter in my book says who the something to worry about thoughts. I mean, I literally have a chapter called the something to worry about thoughts. Look, uh, you know, when I talk about positive thoughts versus negative thoughts, I know we're not going to have positive thoughts 24 seven, that thought's going to come up those automatic thoughts, a negative thought, a fear-based thought. What we have to ask ourselves is what do we want to do about it? Okay. Yeah. It's not like we're never going to think a negative thought or a, a, a fear-based thought again, right. you made a conscious decision to say, Hey, sorry. Um, I, I want to get a good night's sleep. So sorry, thought, I'm not really going to allow you to disrupt my night's sleep. I'm making a conscious decision to whether put that thought on pause or, you know, mm -hmm. what I like to say is use my release and replace technique. And the replace of that thought would be, I don't have time for that thought right now. I need to get a good night's sleep. Do you yeah. know? And the yeah. thing about something like the something to worry about thoughts chapter, I really go into a lot of how, you know, the mind is a trickster. There's something in, uh, there's a Buddhist term called the monkey mind. And oh, yeah, if you think yeah. of a monkey mind jumping from tree to tree and branch to branch, it's a restless animal. So the mind is a restless thing and it's looking for some kind of problem to solve. And if we allow for that, we're going to stay in worry. Well, what does worry really do for us? All it does is create more worry. So yes. at a time of worrying, I like to say, what can I do for myself right now that's going to help me ameliorate my worry and be useful? I mean, we are going to have times that we're going to worry. We're going to worry about ourselves. We're going to worry about a loved one. I say in that chapter, maybe you can think of a visualization for that person think of surrounding them in white light, say a prayer for them. If I'm just worrying incessantly, what am I doing that's helpful? There's mm -hmm. nothing helpful about worrying. So this yeah. is the whole idea, the whole, you know, the whole concept of what can we do? How can we work with our thoughts so that they are, I say, your thoughts need to be your cheering squad, not your hecklers. You know, right. they really need to be helping you. I love that. I'm writing that down. Your thoughts need to be your cheering squad and not your heckler. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what good does any of that do? We know it. We've all been at the effect of it. Do you know? Mm. And we know it just does nothing. Again, useful thought, useless thought. Yeah. We have a choice in that moment. And I get it. We're all going to get plugged in. We're going to, we're going to react. We're going to get triggered. And when you even described Focusing on the breath, which, which I talk about a lot as a meditation teacher, bring your focus and awareness back to your breath. Just by taking a couple of deep breaths in and out, you're going to feel some kind of release in the body, yes. you know, and instead of obsessing on that thought, you've put your focus on your breath. Okay. Let me just focus on my breath. Even if it means connecting to the rising and falling of the breath. Well, I can tell you, you're not going to be thinking of that thought and focusing on your breath simultaneously. They're going to cancel each other out. 
Yeah, absolutely. And it's amazing to me once I realized, you know, just how taking a couple deep breaths, what a difference that made to me physiologically, you know, that helped me mentally. I, I love it when people say, oh, I've tried to meditate. I can't meditate. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, okay, first of all, yeah, you just, yeah. yeah. Just, okay. I don't know what to say. You know what, you know what you can say then, but can you breathe? Are you breathing? You know, yeah. I, I'm expecting you to sit down for 20 minutes on a meditation pillow and chant. I'm talking right. about, you know, pause, just pause, connect to yeah. your breath. Don't get caught up in the automatic, you know, on the hamster wheel of the thinking mind that could literally prevent you from sleeping. So you took charge. Yeah. And it really is, it, it gives you a different sense of empowerment. And, you know, when I look back over the seven years that I've been really focused on meditation, and I don't mean, I, I don't sit on a pillow and do that either. I do a lot of guided meditations and, but I also do a lot of just walking and being aware things that I've learned as I, as I've done this for a few years, it's amazing to me how I sleep. It's amazing to me how I process stress. Um, because even when I had this a few years ago, the way I processed stress, which was horrible in some sense, was so much better than the 10 year before Michael, who would have been curled up in a ball, you know, in the corner. And it's, you know, you when you look to see how just trying to control those, especially the worry. And I think the worry is such a great, and before we, we'll take a break here in a minute, but I know that so many people, this last year have been consumed by a lot of worry and a lot of what if. And I think that as we come out of it, I my gut is that we're not all of a sudden just going to wake up and go, okay, everything's wonderful again. I mean, a year worth of worry at this level and what if at this wor at this level, it's going to have some long-term repercussions. So it'll be, uh, it'll be definitely something to have us talk about. So we're going to take a quick break here from our sponsor. And I will, uh, when we come back, we will dive down a little deeper. Top Dog Learning Group, LLC, is a leadership change management and diversity inclusion consulting firm based in Orlando, Florida, but with top doggers, aka consultants, throughout North America and beyond. They focus on training programs, both virtual and face-to-face, -face, keynotes and lunch and learns, group and one-on-one -on -one coaching, and off-the-shelf solutions. One such solution is their masterclass on the top three strategies to be resilient in times of change. This thoughtful self-paced online training will guide you through three tactics you can use immediately, not just to survive, but to thrive when change comes at you. Use the code RESIL50OFF for 50% off the program. Just go to bit.ly forward slash 3A5M ls6 and enter the code resil 50 off in all capitals to redeem your 50 percent off coupon the link and code will be available in our show notes as well for easy access learn more today at topdoglearning.learningworlds.com and we are back with Aura Nadrich. And I um, I appreciate everything that you've been talking about so far. Obviously, I'm a, not only a big firm believer of this, but you know I've seen the difference it's made in my life. So right before we went to break, I was talking about how uh, the reason, you know, one of the reasons for this series is that I've seen how all of us have been um, negatively impacted by the last year. Now there's been positives. I've had some positives, but no matter what, no matter which way you cut it, uh, I, there, I don't think there's a person in this world who hasn't had a sleepless night, at least one. 
um, and many, many more likely or moments um, worrying about the what ifs in the worlds. And, and just because we're, more and more of us are getting inoculated now, I don't, I think the worry is there's still going to be a lot of worry there or lots of fear, lots of things that, that hang, you know, hold over. So I'm asking each of my guests to, you know, just give me a little bit of, you know, your thoughts on, you know, how do we transition to this through this time? How do we take good care of ourselves mentally and emotionally and, and go through it, not trying to all of a sudden be brave, you know, entering the re-entering the world again? You know, Michael, I think that's such an important question. And I think, as we know, uh, last year with the pandemic, it was an unprecedented time in our mm -hmm. lifetime. None of us could ever have anticipated something like that happening globally. I mean, it's even hard to wrap our heads around what we experienced globally as a collective. Mm -hmm. As a mindfulness teacher, I've written a lot of articles about it. I've been interviewed a lot around mindfulness during such a difficult time. The reason why I like to present mindfulness as a very helpful tool to use at a time like this is worry is real. I don't wanna say that any of the emotions that we feel are not real, even at a time when there's a lot to worry about. So that's real. But what we wanna do is we wanna be again aware of how can we work with the worry that is genuine. I'm talking about people that have really, really been hit hard or mm -hmm. to varying degrees, do you know? Whether you've lost your business, whether you're really in crisis financially, you know, whether your families have been torn apart, there, you know, the list goes on and on about what has taken place because yeah. of this extremely difficult time. Mindfulness is really the awareness of what can I do right now that's going to help me? Meaning mm. that when you go into fear and worry, what does that really do? It creates more worry, more anxiety, more depression, and you can literally spiral down, do you know, which can be very, very dangerous. And what I like to say to people, this is a time to beef up, beef up self-care in whatever mm. way you can. And for those people that have felt very alone during this time, we mustn't make light of that. It's a time to reach out. It's a time to really reach out to anybody that you can. And I want to say this, we are not alone. We are all going through the same thing to varying degrees. But specifically to utilizing mindfulness as a tool, I want to say this, and I, and I did it a lot last year when COVID was at its all-time high. So many people were in a heightened fear and fight and flight state of, of fear because of Oh my God, am I going to get COVID? Oh my God, are my loved ones going to get COVID? Mm -hmm. You know, you're in this, this literal unnatural state of fight or flight. What I really propose is to have that self-talk that is like, no, I don't have COVID. And I hope that I won't get COVID. Mm -hmm. And if I were to get COVID, I believe that I will be okay. And if a loved one of mine gets COVID, I will hope and pray that they will be okay. What are the things that we can say to ourselves so that we're not in a heightened panic state? So there's that. And that again, circles back to the release and replace. Try and be aware of your inner self-talk. If you're in the future and mindfulness is the practice of being in the present, if your thoughts start to go into the future, catch it. You know, oh my God, what if this isn't going to be okay? What if I'm going to lose this? What if this is going to happen? And again, I want to say those thoughts are real. 
it's okay to have those thoughts, but what you want to do is you want to work with those thoughts so that you can come up with a game plan for yourself so that you can take care of yourself. What can I do right now that's going to calm me down? Can I meditate? Should I go take a bath? Let me go take a walk. Let me go watch the sunrise or the sunset. What can I do that's going to help soothe me, comfort me, reach out to someone where I can feel the support that I need? Think of it in the, along the lines of what can I do that can help me right now? Mm -hmm. And when you catch yourself going into the future or lamenting about the past, because that again is really the essence of mindfulness is being in the present moment with the total awareness, catch yourself and bring yourself back into the moment and ask yourself, what can I do right now that's going to help me? What can I do right now that can help someone else that's in crisis or suffering? What can I do right now that's going to beef up my self-care? Do you know what can I suggest to someone else who needs more self-care? You know, we, we really need to bring ourselves into a solution-oriented state of mind and be able to get ourselves out of the future and the what-ifs or what might or could happen and be with the present moment of right now again. And how can you help yourself in the moment of now? Yeah. And I don't know how many times in the last year I have found myself quoting the serenity prayer. You know, so God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. And, it, and I think that kind of sums up, you know, there are things that we may need to do. So having the courage to do them, but to understand that there's things that we can't do anything about. So how can I accept that? But knowing the difference between the two is, I, I really like that, how you summed up, you know, keeping your thoughts in the present, not, in, not allowing it to go in the future and the what ifs and not lamenting about the past. It really keeps you grounded in what can I control today? And most of that is, you know, there's certain things we can control, but there's a lot of things we can. And how do we just keep focused on, on this moment the best we can? Absolutely. Do you know the way in which we can give ourselves the support that we all need right now or help support someone else who's going through a very hard time? Do you know? Yeah. Not making light of the fact that this is a challenging time. This is serious. And again, my work is not about pretending that you don't have these thoughts. As a matter of fact, allow them to come up. I say, allow for those thoughts to come up. Look at them, be with them. And now think of ways in which you can work with those thoughts so that you're not at the effect of them. Because it can be extremely torturing to just mm. have the mind constantly, I'm not going to be okay. This isn't going to be okay. You just spin out when that happens. And yeah. you want to catch it, you want to bring it back. And again, think of what you can do that's solution oriented, as opposed to really being in the worry zone, if you will. Well, I know that with myself, it's interesting. My husband and I have been together about 11 years and he's the first person in my life in this role that I've ever been able to share some of the things that go through my head that are the negative self-talk or so I've struggled with depression uh, at various points of my life. And I've, I've dealt with anxiety, a lot of things that a lot of people do, but I'd never before had the courage to tell someone in my life this way in, in these, you know, in, in clear words. And I remember it was April, sometime in April um, last year and Dr. Burke uh, or Burkus or whatever, Burke, I think it's Burke, um, was uh, had just said on national news, this is going to be the worst week of the pandemic. Of course, what did we know then? And she said, if you don't have to go to the grocery store this week, don't go. And I really fixated on that 
you know, like it just, we had been very careful. We were doing, you know, everything, uh, you know, according to everything we needed to do. But I said to my husband, I said, we have plenty of food in the house for the next week. We're not going to the store. Cause I told him, I said, this is what she said. This really scares me. And he said, well, that's okay. You don't need to go. I'll go. And I said, no, I can't have you go. I will worry about you going. And it's not about you making me sick. It's about, I am terrified for this week. And I needed to get through that week before I said, okay, we survived that week now. And it was, it was really good because he said, okay, tell me what you're feeling. He goes, I won't go if you don't want me to go, you know, let's, let's talk through it. And it felt really good to say those words out loud because the, the Michael of years prior would have just had that, you know, recording going through her head and just smiled as he walked to the grocery store and then not slept for the seven days, you know, worrying that there was going to, he always laughs at everything in my, you know, inner dialogue ends in death, like everything ends in death and you die. And this happens, this happens and you die. Yeah. You know? <laughs> The plane hits turbulence and you die. And so he, as he helps me to get through that, he's like, is this going to be a statement that ends in death? I'm like, yes. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's where the mind goes. That's a perfect example, Michael, of like worst case scenario thinking. Yes. Do you know? And that is really going back to the worry, you know, sort of like looping, yeah. if you will. And I think the way in which you described how you communicated with your husband, you know, we really need to do this. We really need to be able to listen to each other during this time. And by the way, we're all experiencing this differently. You yes. know, we, our loved ones might not be feeling exactly what we're feeling in that moment in time. So the way in which we're communicating to each other, you know, another partner might've said to their partner, oh, come on, you're being a worry wart. You know, right. it's fine for me to go to the market. It's just fine. Don't worry. And like you said, you would have been completely taken over by worry. So when yes. we really communicate to our friends, you know, partners, loved ones, you know, listen, I really want to tell you how I feel, which by the way, I really encourage people to do that. Mm. Share how you feel. It's really a time right now more than ever. Even when we go back to whatever we're going to go back to. Yep. Okay. This is the time to really share how you're feeling. And I want to say the importance of that is really about the fact that we've, we've really grown very polarized. That's mm -hmm. one thing I've noticed is that there's a lot of different opinions, beliefs, thoughts around all this. So it's really important for us to be able to communicate and say, hey, this is how I feel. And you may not agree with me. That's okay. Right. But can we really share our feelings, our opinions, our beliefs about this and work together? I, yeah. I want to really emphasize that around mindfulness because I really feel this is a time where we need to work together more than ever before. You know, we're I in agree. this together. We are. I agree. And, you know, I can't tell you how just being able to tell him that so clearly changed how I communicated through the rest of the year. I mean, I still had points in time where I worried about things, especially when I went and took one trip to see my mom, um, but we communicated with him. And so then my anxiety about it was so much less because I could say it out loud. I could say, I am afraid of this. I am concerned about this, this, and, but then it also led me to points that, that I wasn't as concerned with. And that was great, but it was interesting. Flash forward a year later and I'm sitting there getting my you know first Moderna shot. And it was amazing to me um, I was very happy to have it. I haven't been overly nervous the last few months, but I'll tell you the next three hours, I felt like this huge weight off me. I didn't realize how much underlying tension I still had about it until I got that first shot. And then 
I'm like, I could hardly function that day, not because I didn't feel well, but because I think finally there, there was a sense of, oh, now I've done something. I've done something that's a posit- another positive move forward. And, and as we go through, I think everybody, like you said, everybody's going to experience this and the next couple of years all differently. But the more we talk about it and the more we take time to recognize where we are in the moment, I think the better we're all going to get through it. Absolutely. And the way we can really offer up, you know, sharing our ideas and the way in which we're, you know, going back to self-care, Michael, mm-hmm. you know, be able to share the ways in which we are supporting ourselves, the way in which we are really taking care of self-care and be able to share that, I think is really helpful. Do you know? Because again, we've been in an unnatural state. We've been in this mm. fight or flight state for, I mean, it's it's so unnatural to be in that state. That's why mm. we need all these tips and tools and skill sets as we possibly can to get through it. And, you know, I don't think we should sugarcoat it. We still got a road ahead of us here. You know, we, we're, we're in uncharted territory, you know, we are so better that we, you know, strengthen up here and we be, we are able to learn ways in which I say navigate the waters, as we know about the sea, sometimes it is really tumultuous, and the waters are choppy, and yes, they've been choppier than we've ever seen them before, and then sometimes the sea is calm, we need to be really good navigators, we really need to be good sailors, this is a yeah. life journey. And it's going to take us into all sorts of places we've never been before. So this is a good time to, to ask ourselves, who am I? What am I made of? And that's another thing this time has taught, I think, many of us, what we're made of. Mm, I love that. And I, although as you were talking about the tumultuous sea and being good sailors, I thought how many people are like, I got seasick. <laughs> Thought I was going overboard a lot of times. <laughs> I went off the boat. Put a safety vest on, you know. I know it, it. It. You know what's good about it is like I say to my my friends, isn't it great that sometimes we can laugh about it yeah. because we need some of that relief. Do you know mm-hmm. when it gets too serious? And I also want to mention one of the self care things. Please turn off the TV, mm-hmm. social media, news. Don't be watching that twenty four seven. You know, get your news, get your information, whatever you need just to check in and know what's going on, but please don't park yourself there. No, I know not at all. In fact, it's funny. My husband and I used to watch the news at night when we'd have dinner. And now instead we've been watching the whole entire, we're almost done the entire series of Star Trek, the next generation, (laughs) Um, which if you want to watch a show that talks about, you know, being open to different cultures and ethnicities and ideas, I mean, Every time I'm like, this is the world we need to live in. I want to go live on the enterprise. And my husband's like, you can't. All right, come back to earth. (laughs) That is so true, Michael. It really is. There is that habit, you know, of like, okay, let's turn on the news. It's nighttime. It's dinner time. And you don't realize how that seeps into your subconscious, you know, and they literally affect the rest of the night. And by the way, going back to your sleep story, affect your night's sleep, affect your dream states. There's so many things that are disruptive. Don't we want to kind of lighten our load people as, especially at nighttime when we're trying to really transition out of our day, we really want to, I encourage people to create a more of a calm environment for themselves to be able to do things like, you know, watch a show that gives you pleasure, put on nice music, Yes. you know, read books that are uplifting, uh, take a bath, light some candles, put some aromatherapy, yeah. you know, essential oils in there. Nighttime is a time to start to bring the energy into a much more calm frequency. 
not yes. to keep it up here. You don't want that. I agree. <laughs> or I think we could talk all day. Thank you. I know we'll have all your contact information on the show notes, but just in case somebody wants to look you up right now, because they can't wait to find out more about you, your books and, and all the ways that you work with your clients, what's the best way for them to reach you? Well, first of all, thank you, Michael, for having me. I really enjoyed our, our talk and our time together. The best way to reach me is my website, Aura Nadrich, N-A-D-R-I-C-H, Aura, O-R-A, dot uh, com. Got everything there. Very good. And before we go, what are your last words of wisdom or pearls of advice for my listeners and viewers? I would say start today with an awareness of your inner dialogue. You know, try and keep it positive and supportive of your well-being. And if or when a thought comes up that tries to take you out of moment, gently, if you can, bring yourself into the present moment and tell yourself something positive, loving, and nurturing. I love it. Aura, thank you so much for being with us today. It has been an absolute pleasure having you as a guest today. Thank you again. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Shock Your Potential podcast. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com, including details on Michael's two best-selling books. Tell me more, how to ask the right questions and get the most out of your employees, and sales mixology, why the most potent sales and customer experiences follow a recipe for success. Make sure to check out our Shock Your Potential app, on-demand professional training resources to help you excel in your career. And as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and like us today.